podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Can you do me a couple of ones in a chance for you? Fag machine takes once, don't it? Yeah, yeah. Hey, whoa, 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 don't do that. No point doing that. Give him the tenner back, right? You give him the fiver and the fifty, right? Give him that back. So you take that and you just give him the free ones. Right? Give him the free ones, that's it. Now you give him 30, right? You give him the 10 bob back and you owe him, if I'm right, 22 pence. That's wrong, isn't it? Back by popular demand, Simon Day and Friends Lockdown Show 2. Saturday, July the 4th, 8.30pm. Go to biletto.co.uk. Search Simon Day and Friends. Tickets, only £5. Show will be shown on Facebook. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Nutter. My name is Fergus Craig and I'm joined by the medium of video conferencing, Paul Doolan. Hello. And Dave Watson. Hi. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? I'm not bad. You sound like the most depressed man in the world. (laughs) I'm not depressed. I'm in a good mood. I'm just exhausted because for the last uh, last four days, I've been um, looking after my son pretty much full full time, and I don't know how people do it. He's he's had three like just settling in days at nursery, but it's only like an hour for the first one an hour for the second one and then two hours for the third. And even in those times, I'm still like busy doing shit around the house. Honestly, haven't had like a night off or a day off in months. This, this right here is my, is my time off. So you guys better bring your A game because I need it. You should go to um, the GP, like a 1950s housewife and get some, um, Prescription speed. <laughs> Mother's little helpers. Mother's yeah. little helper. Just yeah. that. Paul, you all right? Yeah, I'm not considering speed. Other than that, fine. Good. I've been incredibly yeah. farty the last two days. Really? Yeah. A lot of cruciferous vegetables? Well, a, a curry, some ribs... It's, it's all added that's up now. Garbage. And then this evening, uh, rather unwisely, knowing that I had this problem for 48 hours, uh, cooked a bean stew. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you need Columbo to solve this mystery. <laughs> so, um, football is, is back. It's already actually happening. Uh, in the UK, there were two games last night as part of Project Restart, which sounds like an apprentice task. Um, did you watch the football last night, Paul? I did, yeah. I watched both games. I was really excited to have football back until about 10 minutes into the Sheffield United game. 
and then remembered, oh, it's it's quite boring a lot of the time, isn't it? It was pretty. But I thought last night was a particularly boring evening of football. I didn't. I didn't watch the first game, and uh, I did watch the second game, uh, but I I gave up after with about half an hour to go. I still Just think. It's a bit... Go on. It was pretty. In- I mean, David Luiz's mad twenty minutes or whatever was. To be to be good. fair. I was wondering if that game was, if I'd watched that under normal circumstances, it probably would have been quite an enjoyable game. But mm. I found the lack of atmosphere, unsurprisingly, uh, affected my enjoyment of the game enormously. Dave, did you manage to watch it? Yeah, yeah, I watched both of them. And uh, the, the first one was awful. And I have to say, the, the goal line technology failed. It's, it's apparently like one in 10,000 chance that it failed, but it did. The thing that pissed me off is that VAR wasn't used because VAR would have cleared it up like that. And even if VAR hadn't like flagged it up to the ref, if for something like this, the ref should have gone back to his, you know, gone to the sidelines and had a look. And then the other game, David Louise, oh, holy shit, what a bad game he had. It's incredible, isn't it? It's it's um, David Louise is like a uh, I don't know. It's like a um, a high concept uh, film that you would pitch. It's like what if there was a footballer who was incredibly talented and played at the top level, but was also incredibly shit at the same time. <laughs> I mean, we were after him what two seasons ago. Rafa really wanted to take him. Well, he's obviously got a lot going for him. He's like, it's not, it's like one of those players who uh, f- becomes a joke to fans, but continues to have a, a very top career because of, of a number of managers see a lot of good in them. The thing I mean, is, no surprise thing is that he's, the- um, he has gone for massive fees on a number of yeah. occasions. It's not like one club made a mistake once. No, he has like the, isn't he? Wasn't he the captain of Brazil? And I mean, when they was lost like seven one in the semi finals. <laughs> but the thing that gets me about him is that his his normal game, his normal game in the Premier League, is fine. He's actually pretty good. But when he makes a mistake, he, he like it's a it's a. Uh, like a cat- cat- uh, catastrophic mistake. It's like he—it's like something off Looney Tunes. It's, it's you know Wiley Coyote kind of shit. It's He's not so helped bad. by his haircut, is he? He's not helped by that. No. The fact that he literally looks like a clown. Yeah, Gendouzi's got yeah. exactly the same haircut in the same team, and he's not running around like he's on fire. Sure, I'm saying. I'm not what... sure the hair can be. Totally blamed. Not blamed for the whole thing. What I'm saying is it there are possibly players who make as many mistakes who don't have that. I don't know. Who knows? Um, so, but we're not here to talk about other football teams. We're here to talk about our football team, the greatest football team the world has ever seen, who are, remind me, come on, boys, two, two. <laughs> <laughs> It's Newcastle United, the black and white magpies. Thanks, Paul. So um, I think we should get it out of the way early on because 
there has been something to talk about for the entirety of lockdown about Newcastle United, and that is the impending supposed takeover, which has managed to last as a story for the whole of lockdown and seems set to continue. I'll, I'll just, I'm, I'm going to ask Dave to give us an update on what's going on with it, but I'm just going to add a caveat that I am now completely detached from this story. I feel like I've been through this so many times before with takeovers, but this has gone on for so long. So feel free to skip forward a few seconds and, you know, we'll, we'll tell you when it actually does happen. But, um, Dave, what's going on with the takeover? Um, same as it was about a week ago. And I know that the World Trade Organization's released a report that says that King of Saudi Arabia have not taken enough action against the piracy of uh, being um, and they haven't um, they haven't done enough basically they're not they haven't been accused of uh, sanctioning it but they haven't done enough to stop it um, the being legal beagles uh, the Qatari legal beagles the Qatari journalists are all saying this is a great win for for their side of things the kingdom of Saudi Arabia their journalists and their like legal eagles are all saying it's a great win for them. They're both claiming victory, and neither of them have, have come out of it looking particularly professional. What I would say is that essentially now the Premier League have never had in as much leverage as they do now to stop piracy in the MENA region, like the Middle East and North African region, uh, because they can say that the King of Saudi Arabia, look, until you sort your house out, until you get that in, in order, you can't buy a Premier League club. Um, and I think one of the best ways to, um, if you give the King of Saudi Arabia a seat at the table, it makes your problem their problem. They'll immediately want to stop piracy because they're paying for something that's now not benefiting from the TV deals and stuff. I think what we have to take away from this is just that Premier League has now got decent leverage. They can wage, they can you know go back to um, uh, KSA and say sort your fucking house out, and then you can buy a club. I don't think this will have deterred the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia from buying, like from the investment on buying so Newcastle United. So I'm still 60-40 that it'll go through. But then again, if it, if it is rejected, just be prepared for a, a nice, long, drawn-out legal battle between um, PIF, Stavely, Ruben Brothers, probably the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and the Premier League that will rumble on for ages. That's, uh, I mean, we're seeing stuff like it'll get done this week. We've heard that for nine weeks now. It's just... I wouldn't worry about it. If it goes through, it goes through. If it doesn't, we at least know that Mike Ashley is willing to sell Newcastle United. So, focus on... Haven't we had another bid Ashley. this week? Haven't we had another bid from someone else this week? Apparently. I can't, what's his name? The American who seems more than Maurice. a little shady. Maurice? Morris? Yeah. 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 But that seems a very yeah. My thing with the WTO thing is the other reading of that is football has 
quite a lot lately bent over backwards to help Qatar, including giving them the World Cup. And they now have it in writing that Saudi Arabia can be blamed to some effect for the piracy. So I wouldn't say it necessarily strengthens our hand. It can be read either way and both sides are reading it either way. It's quite odd seeing loads of Newcastle fans now being anti-Qatar because they're picking on the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. But I'm sure we'll... I think we'll go into it later on. But, you know... It's so depressing, some of the uh, conversation online amongst Newcastle fans about this. I think, you know, anyway, it's really, uh, yeah. All right, yeah, I'll I'll leave you hanging on that before I I give you my um, self-righteous rant later on. Um, Let's talk about football, I suppose. We're playing a game on Father's Day this Sunday against Sheffield United. We all, that means we're all allowed to watch it, right? It's on Father's Day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that I, think we're allowed. I can watch it. It's Father's Day. It's law, Dave. Yeah. Are you excited about the game, Paul? Sort of. I don't know. I've... I've been excited about football coming back and now it is, I've remembered we've not really got a lot to play for apart from the cup game. I'm I'm sort of excited. It's going to be more interesting than exciting. Especially having seen Sheffield United play Villa the other night, exciting wasn't the first word that came to mind. But I guess there's a few there's a few interesting things to keep you like in the game. I Really interested to see how Joel Linton does behind closed doors without a crowd. And sort of for the opposite reasons, how St. Maximin does without a crowd to sort of feed off. Interesting, yes. So that's a sort of an analysis of both their personalities. Well, it thrives on... uh, What you're saying is St. Maximin, if he was to enter a party, St. Maximin would be at the the centre of the room. Yeah, Joe Linton uh, would be at the sides. Well, we don't know Joe Linton. It's sort of, he might just be shite, but it might be without the pressure of a crowd, he comes good. Maybe we'll just try different atmospheres every week to see if there's something that sparks him. Well, he did, score a, goal. He did score a goal, didn't he, in against Middlesbrough in um, what was essentially a behind-closed-doors uh, pre-season, mid-season friendly mm. and uh, I noticed the club was sort of hyping that up quite a lot but you know he's they were hyping it up as a very skillful goal where it looked kind of like an accident that led to him getting through on goal sure but yeah I mean I'm, I'm not going to criticise him or give him too much praise for scoring an okay goal in a you know a mid-season friendly it, it is what it is I think I saw a decent video analysing Joe Linton before he joined Newcastle and after he joined Newcastle. I think I shared it with you guys. You did. And I do think he's just a, I think he's just a square peg in a round hole. I, I feel for him because I don't think he's a natural, he's not a natural number nine. He's not a natural target man. We've been saying it the entire season and yet Steve Bruce has persisted with him in that role. And I know that we've got fewer, a few fit strikers 
but there will surely be a way that you can rearrange our good players plus Joel Linton to get more out of Joel Linton. Like, there must be. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how he plays. I'm looking forward to seeing how like Bentaleb performs, like Danny Rose, um, uh, what's his name, um, Valentino Lazaro. All yeah. That, let's, yeah, let's, let's just see how it goes. Because like you say, there's, there's very little to play for. I, I saw something that gave us about a 4% chance of going down. So I suppose it's just... That's right. That's what five five thirty eight, who I respect a lot, an American sort of modelling company, has us with a four percent chance of going down. So I'm happy with that. I'll take that. Some of those players you mentioned there, we do have quite a few players who, even before lockdown, hadn't played a lot of football and were not match fit. People like Bentaleb and Danny Rose. So it'd be interesting. I feel like every other player's come down to that level of match fitness now. Yeah, so whether, probably whether suits more, them. Yeah, maybe yeah, maybe that's right. I think the other maybe, thing as well, yeah, we sort I of forget before the break, we did change formation and we're at least creating a few more chances. So I don't know if it'll be the same kind of dirge as it was first half of the season. And the other big positive as well is Martin Dubravka being back, because the rest of the season We'd have missed him for a lot of it otherwise. And he's probably by far our most important player this season. Probably is. That is often the way with Newcastle United goalkeepers. Um, But yeah, I don't don't think... I I, I think there's a decent argument to be made that we have never owed so much to our goalkeepers we have this season. Mm. Martin Dubrowski has made more saves than any other keeper in the Premier League. He makes more saves on average per game than any other keeper in the Premier League. He's played every minute until he got injured. Um, but it looks like he'll continue to play, you know, every minute as long as he doesn't get injured. I think this this season, we've we, he's kept us up. I think, I'm sure I saw online the other day as well, he's made either the most passes or had the most touches of all our players this season. I think I may have seen that fact. I don't think that's that unusual, or is it? I'm sure it is for a goalkeeper. Probably. But yeah, I think I'm, I'm persuaded that yes, maybe he has uh, unusually been our most vital player compared with other seasons for goalkeepers. That's not a bad argument to say he is the player who's kept us up um should we have a break and then after the break we will uh go to social media we've got some questions and comments from twitter and i have prepared a quiz possibly the last quiz for a long time it's it's not a full 10 questions because what i didn't get around i'm running out of ideas (laughs) but um i do have a quiz and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. So uh, please come back after the break. Bye. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean, and more Steve McQueen, 
check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back. Good break, guys. Great break. Needed it. I'm on a session IPA. Ooh, session IPA, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm on a, um, a Whiplash Pale Ale. Yeah, sure. I'm on a Camden Pale Ale, £1.50 a can. It's so crafty in here, guys. It's true. How's your fast? I had to pay £2 for that in Tesco. It's on offer, Waitrose. This is this is definitely the most southern hipster yeah. middle class Newcastle United podcast, isn't it? Waitrose just hipster. got a mention. We're all beer. drinking craft beer. Sorry, what was that, Dave? You two don't have a beard. It's not hipster. Well, there's yeah. different levels of hipster, aren't there? You're providing the beard. I'm providing the accent. <laughs> I don't think we're hipsters. I think we're just borderline alcoholics. There's a, a very yeah. clear difference. Yeah, that is what it is. So uh, speaking of borderline alcoholics, let's go to our listenership. <laughs> <on social media. laughs> um, I've got some uh, questions and comments. Uh, the first one is from uh, The Football Man on Twitter, who says, looking forward to all the great saves Dubravka is going to make as we lose 6-0 in the FA Cup quarterfinal. Not a bad prediction. Man City did look... I was wondering whether um, after the big long break, is all form going to be out of the window now and are we going to see lots of crazy results? That could obviously still happen. But last night what we saw was Man City dominating a game, completely outclassing uh, a shambolic Arsenal defence. I saw a stat on uh, Twitter that the last time Arsenal beat a top six side, uh, Erling Haaland was 14. God. So that, you mean, so that would suggest that uh, things are pretty much as they were. Man City did look pretty incredible. Yeah, it feels like that cup game is going to be harder now. I mean, the five substitutions thing, that's going to favour Man City, clearly. Our main sort of benefit to being at home was the home crowd, which that advantage has gone. I did see someone saying that counter-attacking teams might have a bit more luck in this current incarnation. I'm not, I can't exactly remember why, but that gives me a little bit of hope. We have drawn with them this season, but yeah, I was... I was tuning in last night hoping they would just be going through the motions and they looked a little bit deadly. I was hoping, like, I know it's bad, but I was hoping for them to pick up, like, little soft tissue injuries, but Arsenal seemed to be the ones doing that. And you would have thought that one of the things that we'd have in our favour if it were normal times in an FA Cup quarterfinal would be 
the enthusiasm of our fans, how how much more the game would mean to them than it would to the Man City fans would create. Yeah, I think the original schedule as well, the game was going to come the week before Man City's Champions League game, which would have been a huge benefit to us. I think think it was going to come either just just after the Liverpool game as well, so there might have been a hangover from, from that. I know they're not actually, you know, there's... Liverpool are going to win the title, but they're, they're still pride at stake. And Man, if Man City could have been the only ones to inflict the defeat on Liverpool in the league season, then... The thing, the thing is that they've got at least two top three sides in their squad. So yeah. any rotation or whatever doesn't yeah. really... You don't think, oh, good, they've rested their striker and they've started with Aguero. <laughs> it's not going to give you a huge amount of comfort. No, but you know, well, we'll see. You know, it's fair to say that whatever the circumstances, uh, we all knew that it were the underdogs in that tie. Yeah. Paul M says, looking forward to seeing the awkward non-contact goal celebrations. What would you do if you scored at St James's? What I'm hoping for is, you know, that they they had that very odd fucking Zoom meeting in the stands, that big screen oh, yeah. with about 12 fans on it. I, I, would, I, I, I hope we can arrange somehow to have 12 helicopter penises. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I think we're sort of ahead of the game for distance celebrations. You only have to look at Matt Ritchie. Which he doesn't have to be on a pitch with someone to assault them. He can kick a corner flag... About ten meters to get some I mean, genitals. Yeah, I mean this is it's the test of his corner flag kicking ability. If we do manage to score a goal on Sunday, can he hit a steward? We know he can hit. <laughs> we know. Well, there won't be stewards, will there? But there will be people. Yeah. In all yeah. areas of the side of the pitch. There'll be you know ball boys or whatever. Can he get himself? The linesman. Yeah, a linesman. There's gonna, there will be targets, but they'll be a lot more specific. That's the question. Can he do it? The celebrations are a bit fucking stupid because all they know is they can't shake hands, so they all still sort of get close to each other and tap each other. It's, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> it looks like they've run up to them in the street and recognised them and trying to get their attention. <laughs> like David, <laughs> David, it's me. Yeah, it's all a bit weird. Um, let's go to the next question on Twitter from Daryl Hughes, reading this out for the first time. Are there any fan faces or crowd noises planned at SJP? What do you think would be cool shite? Well, we sort of just covered that. I think um, crowd noises, I assume, are going to be there for every game. On Sky last night, they had two channels you could tune into. Yeah, did you have a preference? Because I switched a lot throughout and changed my mind on both of them about five times. I I think I sort of surprised myself by preferring the fake crowd noise. I'm the same. Yeah. It felt eerie without any noise. It just felt 
Yeah. yeah, it sort of reminds you that there's a pandemic going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's all just a bit creepy, and you can't. I was hoping you'd be able to hear what they were saying, but you can't really hear that. So, I'm I'm for the crowd noise. And there's someone at the side who I assume is their job to decide what crowd noise to go for. So if, if there's a goal, they add in a cheer. If there's a missed chance, they've got like a missed chance button. Yeah, they get sent basically a, a pack of crowd noises for each team and for each game. So it's sort of, I think there's different levels for away ones. But yeah, it's basically a DJ for the crowd noise. So I wonder who's going to have the best one out of all the teams. Will that be the sort of new, the new barometer? Uh, well, well, I guess we'll see. But I, that's a job I'd love. I think it'd be an enormously fun job. I'm a crowd noise DJ. <laughs> uh, Bedford Mag uh, is back with uh, questions and comments, which we always appreciate. So, with the takeover being compared to Hitler getting the trains run on time, it wasn't him. How much of a dick is Miguel Delaney? Uh, and then I'll go on to the next part of his tweet uh, in a minute. Uh, for anyone who's not been following it, I haven't really been following it. I saw this tweet from Bedford Mag just before we started the pod, so did a bit of research online. I know that Miguel Delaney has become a villain in some Newcastle fans' eyes online. I don't really understand why. I've not read a lot of his stuff. Paul? He's, well, he's just very critical of the Saudi regime. Which I think if you're taking offence to that as a Newcastle fan, you have to have a bit of a look at why. I think there's a lot of people on our side already getting into bed with and defending the Saudis when we really, we don't need to. It's a sort of, yeah, it's I, like I, the I, Qatar thing. I think a lot of Newcastle fans are going, oh, Qatar are just being dicks here. Why are they trying to stop the Saudis? They've already picked a side. That's not... It's not what we need to do. We could admit both sides are awful. I read, I've thing. read a lot of Miguel Delaney articles and they all seem pretty fair enough. And then you see Newcastle fans complaining to all of it and then writing to his bosses trying to get him sacked. And you just I know it's it's Twitter Newcastle fans, so it's not real life. But it makes us look pathetic. We have talked about this quite a, a few times. So it, you know, we've there's lots of legitimate opinions out there. And I think the party line here, certainly my line is that um, you are perfectly entitled as a, a large portion of me is to want this takeover to happen and to want the untold riches yeah, to uh, turn our club into a winning force and all of that. And you're per- perfectly entitled to put to one side the um the the evils of the Saudi regime. But I don't think you're perfectly entitled to attack the messenger. He's a journalist and if he wants to cover how bad the Saudi regime is, that's not something to have a go at. And the, the specific thing that's that's got everyone riled up this week about him is that apparently he's well I, I saw he said the phrase someone 
what was it? Yeah, Saudi I think it was Arabia. Dominic Raab had responded yes. to Saudi, Saudi Arabia, Arabia giving. Sorry, you go. Yeah, Saudi Arabia has donated or some PPE to the UK, which was a, a positive story about Saudi Arabia. Miguel Delaney replied that uh, even Hitler ran, got the trains to run on time. All Newcastle, not all Newcastle fans, a very small selection of Newcastle fans acted like they had never heard that phrase. Hitler got the trains to run on time. Oh my God, I cannot believe that phrase has been said. It's anti-Semitic. Isn't it normally about Mussolini? Not that that makes it the point uh, any different. Is it? I've definitely heard it about the Nazis. The Nazis yeah. got the trains to run on time. It, the point he's making is, obvi- is very obvious, right? It's very simple. It's not this... It, it, it's that, uh, yes regimes bad people regimes can sometimes usually for propaganda do some good things it doesn't make what the bad stuff they've done go away yeah perfectly entitled to criticize them they're like they fucking like literally crucify people hundreds of people they literally crucify (laughs) behead people you don't have i mean I don't want every night to go into this. We asked ask the question, and like, and you do not have to like take it upon yourself to become a crusader against the Saudi regime. You do not even have to like um, n- not support the Saudi regime in taking over Newcastle United, but to attack a journalist for covering that, I think is I, I would, weird. I would. Say that it would be so. Miguel Delaney has, over the past, I don't know, like 10 years, made a career out of criticizing um, UAE and uh, Saudi attempts to sports wash their bad regimes. He tends to um, deliberately put himself onto the hashtags on Twitter. Um, for like Man City, for um, now for Newcastle, more to to get attention um, for his cause, which is that you know the Saudi regime and the UAE have blood on hands. That's not like that. That's I'm not doubting that for a second. But I think the reason that the Newcastle fans who have turned, uh, you know, have, have bared their teeth at him is because he has said that it's um, Newcastle United fans, we should boycott. Newcastle United fans should be ashamed. They should, it's a disastrous thing for their club. And it's, it's, it's shifting the, 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 the conversation away from how bad uh, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia is, and it is, and it's more about that Newcastle United fans have a moral responsibility to refuse this takeover. And, you know, that's that's why it's got Newcastle United fans back up. And having read his articles, the facts about KSA and UAE, they're undeniable. Um, I'm not going to defend them, but the, the rhetoric that he uses on Twitter and by inserting himself into Newcastle Twitter, it's to get attention. And that does get people's back up. Now, some of the stuff that's been sent to him is abhorrent. And he he is, like you say, a journalist doing his job. Part of his job is getting attention for his stories. 
I don't think that he's the. I don't think he's um, naive. I think he's doing it very deliberately to get attention, and he is he is deliberately winding up the Newcastle fans. You see similar reports being put to paper from other journalists, and they're more even-handed, and they don't apportion any responsibility on the Newcastle United fans' behalf to prevent the takeover or to um, protest it or, or whatever. Like they're saying, it's wrong that this club, this this country, or the investment arm of this country should own uh, a, a, an English Premier League club, and this is why. It, they, they don't mention the Newcastle fans. Miguel Delaney does, just as he did with the Man City fans. He does it to get attention, and I, I think that's why he's getting the the opprobrium. And but I know he might the, also believe he might also believe that though. Like the reason he's writing that might be because he believes that's morally right, which is also well, a, might a perfectly legitimate opinion. But but then but then. He can't. Then he doesn't need defending. If he's deliberately putting his ha- his you know hand in the fire to to make a point, then fucking fine. But then he, he doesn't need defending. Then he, he knows what he's doing. No, I no. Well, we could get right into it, but I couldn't disagree more. Well, all I looked at was like, well, from what I can see, he's giving an opinion, an opinion which I think is like a perfectly legitimate legitimate opinion. You say he's made a career out of uh, um, reporting on sports washing. Good. That's like, you know, that's what people, journalists are supposed to do. And all I've Mm. seen from my brief research online about this fucking Hitler got the trains to run on time thing is really embarrassing behavior from Newcastle fans. But then that that is a microcosm. Like the he he spends a great deal of time deliberately winding people up. And Fairfox, if that's if that's his job, then then fine. But then you put him in the same bracket as as um, anybody who does things to get attention, even if their cause is relevant. That he's doing it to get attention. He can't then complain that the attention that he's getting is is anger because he's demanding stuff of Newcastle fans that I don't think is reasonable. I think you, you can feel protest. I think you can feel hard. That, like your job as a journalist is to get attention for what you're writing. You can still be annoyed if the outcome of you trying to get that attention is people trying to get you sacked and claiming you're in the wrong. I think and our, claiming and claiming that you're anti-Semitic. Yeah, for a yeah. Phrase, right. they, every <laughs> single one of them knows is completely bollocks. Now, I, I don't know if every single one of them does know that because Maybe. Okay. you and I both know that there are there are a lot of people who wouldn't have put the two and two together and realised the point that he was making. I just I just think that he he's not innocent in this. He's he is trying to. Look, to wind I, I, I'm answer. perfectly willing to admit that you have read a lot more of his stuff, and I might have sway more. You know, I might have a. A more balanced view on it. Can I add though? I think it's less about Miguel Delaney and more there is a sort of collective mania amongst some of the Twitter Newcastle sort of scene. Did you see the Amanda Staveley Barclays trial this week? You've had Newcastle fans watching it, and one of them heard a judge say something about her off mic afterwards and had an official complaint put in 
to them. It's like people have lost their minds out of loyalty to people they've never met, don't know what their intentions are towards the club, and are just happy to do their bidding when that's... That is how... It's it's literally sports washing. Yeah. It's it's literally like we're doing their propaganda for them. And also to, to... just to clarify, it wasn't a judge, it was a, a member of the Barclays legal team that, uh. that called Stavely a liar or, or something like that. Um, and the judge of that case has stopped the live feed because there are too many people like taking screen grabs or taking photographs of or recordings of, and that that's going to like put call into question the legitimacy of any findings because you just can't have that. Um, I agree. Like the it's 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 taking like plane spotting to a whole new yeah. level. I and think the schools need to go back. So. No idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If and Mike Ashley, if the Mike Ashley takeover had taken months and months and gone on and on, and what we knew about him was that he was a billionaire mm-hmm. who had a passion for football and uh, wanted the best for for Newcastle. I mean, he was you know very popular amongst a lot of fans understandably so when he first took over but if it had, um and i yeah i have no issue with that at all i was excited about him but those yeah. for if it had taken a long time for the takeover to happen and social media had been as big then as it is now there would have been this huge campaign about what an incredible guy mark ashley is and yeah. um and how actually zero hour contracts are really good yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's like given the workforce flexibility. Yeah, yeah. It's and you've even got people who are now saying that this American that we've heard nothing of—you can't even find anything about him at all. There are people who are who are not in favour of the the Saudi Arabia takeover, saying, "Oh, this guy is the guy that should be owning our football club." They don't know a fucking thing yeah. about him, other than he he apparently has millions in the, like it's. Uh, the sooner football can get back to being football and not this bullshit, the better. Yeah, sure. I completely agree. Um, okay. Uh, well, thanks for the question, Bedford Mag. It, it struck up, up a, a conversation, certainly. Did you say um, there were more questions on his message? Yeah, and I hope you don't mind my um, passion about it, Bedford Mag. It just struck, struck a nerve. He also says the WTO are due to give a verdict in 30 minutes. That was two days ago. How confident are you the takeover is still on? Um, uh, if if the sale fails, are we still NUFC fans? Well, I mean, we've sort of covered the takeover, and if the sale fails, I am certainly still a Newcastle United yeah. fan. I'm starting to waver we'll away from that. whether I want it to happen, so I don't... I'm, Getting it to be like a win-win in the head, or a lose-lose. <laughs> well, no, because I think what Dave said earlier was just... right. I think Ashley has indicated he will go. So if the sale falls through, I still think a sale will happen before too long, which is the main sure. thing. And it would not have all the baggage of this Saudi deal. Well, maybe it'll Absolutely. always be if we don't get the Saudi deal, then that will be always that like amazing thing that could have happened mm. so it will always oh, be yeah. that if that had only gone through like if be, only yeah, we'd sign Modric we'd be into our sixth title in a row by now or whatever yeah I'm still 60-40 it'll happen oh wait 
uh, yeah, sure. And I, I, I do hope that um, we can move on to a time when we record an utter and I don't get into a self-righteous rant about Middle Eastern politics. So I apologise to everyone for that. But um, Why can't we be taken over by a European nation? Why can't Spain want us? Yeah. Much better. Yeah, fucking none of these non-Europeans. <laughs> then we'll just have to defend Franco. Yeah, I'm going to get you for your employer and get you sacked, Paul. <laughs> All right, I've got seven questions. I had written eight, but then one of them I realised there are two. I'm not sure of the fact, so I don't know. Okay, are you ready for the quiz, guys? As will ever be. I can't remember where it stands. Is it 3-2 to Dave? I think Dave's in the lead, yeah. Okay, well, this might be the last quiz ever, so here's your chance, Paul, to um, to do the equivalent of uh, ending a five-day test with the draw. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question, I've tried to make it because it was considered too hard last time. So I don't know, but I've tried to make it a little bit easier. I don't know if it is. Okay. We'll see. Question number one. What does Nile Ranger have tattooed on the inside of his lip? Okay. For anyone who hasn't heard one of our quiz episodes, uh, Dave and Paul are now writing down their answers. We're running an honor system here. We'll come back for the answers later. Question number two. In our 1992-93 promotion season, did you have pubes? No. In our 1992-93 promotion season, which striker was our top scorer with 24 league goals but did not make the move up to the Premiership? Okay. Question number three. What was the name of our famous tea lady who died in 2015? I will take uh, first name. Awesome. Oh, yeah, I was going to say. Oh. Rest in peace. I got it wrong. Question four. The jawbreaker is a delicious sweet. But whose jaw did Andy Carroll break in a training ground bust-up? <laughs> okay, I was I was gonna I was gonna look up the history of the jawbreaker suite <laughs> and have like a long like paragraph intro to that question. <laughs> uh, didn't get round. Okay, question number five. Who is the only South African to play for Newcastle United in the Premier League era? Oh, God, what's his name? Oh, Oh, that's got you both thinking there. I think Paul knows who he's trying to think of. I think Dave's completely lost. The only South African to play for Newcastle in the Premier League era. Okay. Um... Question number six. Newcastle United 
Newcastle United were in the 1998 and 1999 FA Cup finals. Who partnered Shearer up front in both games? Okay. And the final question, question number seven. The Amiobis and the Longstaffs name another pair of brothers to play for Newcastle United in the Premier League era. There are two, I think. Two sets of brothers. But you can just name one. Okay. And uh, those are the questions. I think about oh, who's that South African one? I can, I, I, I can. What are you trying to think of? He didn't Dave? play very. He didn't play very many games, and you're trying to think of the South African. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to go through them. You've got. You've, you've got a couple oh, of questions to get, answers to get through to try and. Do you know whose name I can't get out of my head? I can't get Matty Patterson's name out of my head, and I know it wasn't Matty Patterson. Okay, well, um, let's see. Question number oh, one. Oh, you've made me asking someone else. Question number one. What does Nile Ranger have tattooed on the inside of his lip? Smiley face, like an athlete face. Yeah. Is that what you've got as well, Paul? I've got smiley face. I'm still stuck on the South African guy. Okay. Question number two. Sorry, is that right, smiley face? Yes, it's right. Correct. One apiece. In our 1992 promotion season, which striker was our top scorer with 24 league goals but did not make the move up to the Premiership? David Kelly. Uh, Dave? Yeah. Okay, that's two right answers. Two, two. Question number three. God rest her soul. What is the name... Of our famous tea lady who died in suspicious circumstances <laughs> in 2016. Is it Shanice? <laughs> Is that a joke? Yeah, I've gone for Gladys. Oh no, it's Kath. What's your answer, Paul? It's Kath. Dave, what's your answer? He said Gladys. He said Gladys. Um, Kathleen. Kath. I'll take Kath. I mean, Paul, you sort of... No, I said Gladys, I think. Let's mark it down. But where did Kath just suddenly enter your head? Well, to be fair, when Dave said Kathleen, I was like, oh, he's got... got Is that what happened? Be honest, Paul. Yeah, no, it is. No, don't give me it. Don't give it to you. Okay, right. So three, two to Dave. Okay. The Jawbreaker featured... In Roald Dahl's book, Boy. <laughs> but who did, whose jaw did Andy Carroll break in a training ground bus stop? Dave. No. Stephen Taylor. Paul. Stephen Taylor. Correct. No, it was actually a cat. <laughs> and that's how she died. <laughs> yes. Um... Okay, well, it seems like this is going to be the big one, although Dave is technically already ahead. But this is the big one. Who is the only 
South African to play for Newcastle United in the Premier League? Paul, what's your answer? I've got Matty Patterson. Dave, what's your answer? Matty Patterson, but it's not. It's fucking Matty Patterson. Is it? Why are you so sure it's not Matty Patterson? Dave. When you said that, I was sure it was. I was trying to hold in, you know, keep my face straight when you said that it definitely wasn't him. Why are you, is it because you didn't think he was South African, Dave? Yeah, because I I was convinced he had a different name. (laughs) No, No, I thought, I thought he was, I thought Matty Patterson, because he ended up playing for Blythe and stuff. So I I figured he was, if not local, then yeah. No, I'm on his Wikipedia page. Born in Johannesburg, but um, he and his family moved. Big apple. They moved to England when he was uh, eleven, but he did play for South Africa internationally, so he was South African. Okay. Question number seven: Newcastle United were in the 1998 and 1999 FA Cup finals. Who partnered Shearer up front in both games? John Dal Thomason. John Dal Thomason from Paul, Dave, Ketsbier. Well done, Dave. Ketsbier. Well done. I'm impressed. Good lord. And uh, the final question. The Amiobis and the Longstaffs. Name another pair of brothers to play for Newcastle United in the Premier League era. Paul? I've gone Coldwells. Coldwells. Dave? Yeah, Gary and Stephen Coldwell. Yeah. There's actually another two Who are the other? The others are... The Shearers. The Shearers. And the Pistones. We just had some technical difficulties, but uh, I'm back now. Dave and Paul have both answered correctly by giving the Caldwell brothers. I was about to reveal to you the other two sets of brothers who played for Newcastle in the Premier League era. One surprised me. It was the Luar Luars. Oh, yeah. I had always thought that they were cousins, and I believe it was that was what was believed to be true, but it was later revealed... <laughs> After they both played to the club for the club, that they're actually cousins. There was some confusion. Apparently, Yannick Balassi is actually their cousin. Oh. Anyway, the, the Luwaluas were brothers, and so were. Uh, and I'm surprised you didn't get this, Paul. The De Jongs. Oh, of course. Yeah, unbelievable. There you go. But Dave wins. Uh, Comfortably again. Comfortably, not getting a single question wrong, I don't think. You're a machine, Dave. You're a machine. I preferred the last quiz because it was really friggin' hard. Fine, I'll bring back a difficult quiz again. Bring the pain. I can give you my, this was going to be my tiebreaker question. This is the the tiebreaker. It's, It's one where you have to both guess whoever gets closest. Let me find it. I've got it somewhere here. Um, how many... Oh, where is it? But the question is, how many minutes is it in the Premier League since 
Joe Linton scored a goal. <laughs> How many Premier League minutes for Joe Linton since he last scored a goal for Newcastle? Paul, guess. Hang on, hang on. Uh, 2,100. Dave? Yeah, oh, fuck yeah, I was going to go 2,081. 2,081? Well, you've you, you won, Dave. It's 2,053. Oh. I mean, you could have done the pure cunt move, which is to either go 2,099 or 2,101. I'm quite pleased with 2,100 as a guess. I think you were both incredibly close. You were both within 50 minutes. Well done. Okay, that brings us, I think, to the end of the podcast. I guess we might as well do a prediction for the Sheffield United. Yeah. On Are we at Sunday. home? I think we are technically at home, aren't we? Yeah. Are they allowing us to play at St. James's Park? They are, right? Yeah. They're not doing any neutral venues yet, are they? No. So we are technically at home. It will be quiet, which is not that unusual for St. James's Park in the last few years. Uh, what is your prediction, Paul? I think it's not going to be... That high goal scoring. I think 1-0 to us. 1-0. Not high goal scoring is is uh, an agreeable position. Dave? 0-0. Yeah, feels like it, doesn't it? All right. In that case, I'm just going to go for the old Fergus Craig classic. 1-1. One, one. Yeah, I think it would be close. But you were going 1-0 to us, Paul, is that yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I hope that happens. I'm a, I'm a wild optimist, chucking out predictions like that. Do we have any injuries? Any major ones? Is, is Carol fit? This, well, I'm not sure. Well, you can Don't always... He's fit, fit. I think... You have to guess. It's always good to err on the side of not fit. With Andy Carroll, there is talk no. still of him getting um, another contract, which would be, would be amazing. But it is it is a pay as you play deal, right? So, but I think it'd be interesting. I hope we stick to that four two three one. I'd quite like to see the 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 three behind the striker of St Maximin, Almiron, and Lazaro. I think that could be quite exciting. Yeah, I'd definitely like to see some some Lazaro. He was pretty exciting. The little glimpse. So we'll be without um, Clark, Dummett, Longstaff. Which Longstaff? Is that Matty or Sean? Sean. Both. Sean. Sean. Sean Longstaff. Um, but I think. Uh, I think. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely no Paul Dummett. Definitely no Matty Longstaff. Um, possibly Sean and possibly Kieran Clark. But I'd, I'd expect them all to be out. But there's no mention of Andy Carroll, so 
fit. Mm, maybe. For the benefit of the listeners there, Dave just did the um, air quotes for fit. Um, so I guess you'll, we'll see. It, it's, it's nice that Sir Maximin will hopefully be playing. It'll be nice to see some more of Lazaro. Yes, Bentaleb still could, in theory, do well for us. Haven't seen much of Danny Rose. There are some things we were sort of, we haven't, we still had a few players sort of bedding in from the January transfer window who could do some things for us. So The other thing as well, I was wondering, because almost back to, or getting through rehab at the minute is Willems. If he managed to get back to fitness, would he be allowed to come back? Or did we terminate that deal? I think there's a good argument for him being one of our better players of the season. Uh, Definitely. There's certainly You would have thought that Danny Rose joined us in the expectation to be. Yeah. And he is a first choice, traditionally a first choice Premier League I can't player. tell if Danny Rose is looking muscular or fat on his return. Have you seen him? I think for a footballer, he's looking ever so slightly round. He was one of the... He always had that kind of stock yeah. and build, though, didn't he? Sure. Never slight. He is one of the... And the and I, I don't have an issue with this, but he was one of the most publicly vocal players who wasn't in favour of the Premier League restarting. But as I understand it, he is, he, he, he is going to be available. So... I guess we'll see, but it, you know, he's certainly not the Danny Rose of I don't know what was it four or five years ago when he was at his best. Mm. He's not that, but you know, there's there's going to be some interesting things. I'm now persuading myself about the rest of the season, and we are yeah. still in with a chance of uh, winning something, which you can't often say in June. <laughs> no, true. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, not bad. All right, well, it's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to do the lockdown with you guys. I know that uh, effectively uh, the lockdown still exists in uh, most of our world, although Primark is open. But in footballing terms, we are back. So um, we're going to keep going and actually have football to talk about hopefully a lot more football to analyze and a lot less um moral ramblings about the middle east so uh yeah thank you very and much. next time we talk we might be one of the richest clubs in the world so there is that as well it's quite possible it is quite possible so in in which case we will continue talking about that all that <laughs> stuff <laughs> Forever, but hopefully, you know, there'll be lots of actual football to analyse. So, uh, thank you very much, Dave Watson. Thanks, Fergus. And thank you, Paul Doolan. Thank you. And thank you to you, the Newcastle Natter listener. Goodbye. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu.
This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.